This is the user experience Hamburger Radio. Thanks for listening. presenting and moderating um, here right now. I'm, I'm really curious to know, did you see Sean Abramson? Or where, where were you before? Just like in the back row, you just arrived? We just arrived. Okay. <laughs> now I was just checking if maybe Sean Abramson was so awesome that you just came here. Never mind. Um, I'm going... Sorry? Okay, yeah. There's a connection, we actually talked about you last night too. So let me sort through these things for a second. I'm a little bit under the weather, so excuse me if I seem a bit, I don't know. Um, but I'm sure we will make this work. So, holding the mic and the cards. Um, all right. Um, in case you didn't know, this is going to be in English, because we have one person from Sweden here. Um, you'll learn more about her in a moment. Um, welcome to Communities Revisited, Leaving the Bubble Behind. Whenever you don't really hear me or anything, just shout, all right? Um, first off, um, Dirk van Dien unfortunately cancelled. So if you didn't get that memo, if you came here because you really wanted to see him, I'm sorry to disappoint you. He's sick and um, lying in his bed at home. But we got um, Natalie instead. I'll tell you about her too in a moment. Um, first off, what is Communities Revisited, Leaving the Bubble Behind? Um, a little bit about the background, when Annette and I were talking about um, getting her to Ripaban Festival and what she would do, what would be exciting, um, there were always two thoughts and somehow they, they belonged together and we, we decided to make, make it these two pieces. And Communities Revisited is actually, the thought behind it is that um, a lot of community work, a lot of um, what media or other brands do in point of involving their audience is very standardized. It's very, yeah, we just have to do something there and there and this and that, but they don't really feel it. So we're trying to leave the bubble behind and look at companies, at brands, at people who do it differently and try a little bit. I always have like the, the media glasses on, so I always have this very... Um, particular perspective and we're trying a little bit to see all these different brands today and see what the media industry, the ailing media industry can learn from them. So I'll start cool. um, by introducing Robert Drago Kianakis. Um, hi. Hi. Um, it's good to have you here. Um, he, um, more than 10 years ago I think, founded the German indie beat punk band Angelica Express. And after splitting up and then reuniting, they decided to go a different way. Um, these days, they are not on a label. They do it themselves. And also, and this is why he's here and why I'm very happy to have him join this panel. They have a very unique approach to how they interact with their fans. And it's, it's not like they're fans. It's more they're really integrated into the whole process. And he's going to be telling us a bit about this. And hopefully afterwards, we get a chance to also talk about how um, he, his band, can be role models for other people in the creative industry. I'm going to sit down now. Okay. Um, yeah, welcome, Robert. And uh, let's let's start by uh, talking right about the one thing that comes to mind when um, talking about your past with the crowd. You decided at one point to make your fans shareholders. Yeah, um, it was uh, about 2008, and uh, um, we reunited the band after a, a short break of a few years, and uh, we found the music industry was completely broken, was destroyed. There was nothing, uh, you know, there was no business, uh, and uh, there was no reason to, to deal with record labels because uh, they couldn't give you anything uh, as, uh, uh, you know, uh, as a musician, uh, you could make it all on your own. Um, and um, I started uh, just making uh, songs every week, putting uh, put uh, the songs, the recordings, uh, on, uh, on uh, the block of the band, and uh, um, gathered uh, an audience around that. And uh, after a year, 
there was an album uh, another material for an album for for an album and um, the problem now was to how to get it out to uh, uh, to the world how to amplify it and uh, to make people speak about it and then we did something we called uh, the Angelica Aktie uh, it's kind of a share uh, 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 or stock uh, but not really it was uh, about uh, as I said 2008 and it was the time of the uh, big crisis economic crisis and um, now there's uh, this little punk band from Cologne and uh, they're making their own shares uh, to get their, this album out and somehow um, you know, people from the like, financial journalists uh, uh, they heard the news and uh, we had suddenly we had uh, um, you know, articles in the financial time and we were broadcasted in the Heute Journal, uh, German television uh, suddenly uh, there was uh, Yeah, that was kind of uh, a close look at what what are these guys doing with, with their little subculture, uh, and we it wasn't actually it wasn't such a big thing, but at least we could get uh, about twenty five thousand euro, and uh, everyone who got the Angelica Aktie, one of these shares, they could give us fifty euro, and uh, they get uh, you know you get they get the album, they get the poster, they get free entrance to all of our gigs. And they could come backstage, and they uh, really get, could had the chance to get closer to the band. Um, and this was at that time it was unusual. You always had this thing of this big um, uh, distance, this dip between the the band, the audience, and uh, it's still somehow unusual that you can come closer together. And um, also, it seems like that people really loved uh, to be involved with the uh, this economic side. They, first, they, uh, somehow they uh, started thinking, okay, uh, uh, I give them the money, they can produce their stuff. It's not uh, like it's uh, in, in happening in another universe. It's, it's really like, can I help them do culture, cultural stuff? Can I help them do, do their art? And um, yeah, somehow it, it worked really well for us. Um, how did you feel? Did it change the relationship with your audience? Um, actually, some some people just uh, bought some of these uh, shares just because they were there. They, they, it was it was in Germany at least. It was unprecedented uh, this kind of stuff, and um, they were uh, some were not even interested in the music, just in the process. Uh, uh, how this maybe might work because the, the music industry was so down and coming up with something with a new idea and the old fans we've been on the scene for uh, a few years we were founded in 2002 um, and we had some old fans who bought our uh, former records we made on, on a major label um, and they were really uh, interested in this uh, kind of stuff because um, yeah suddenly they had uh, the notion this is not somebody who's you know like uh, living in a Uh, in the ivory tower of art, they're coming down to the to the bottom, uh, to the bottom line of things. They do their own stuff. I can talk to them. Uh, if I write them an, uh, an email about stuff, they 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 write back. Um, so um, and, and we had uh, you know little pictures, little animation of everyone who, uh, uh, who, who would like to send us a picture. And you know I'm a fan, and they put them all on the on the website as, as a you know fun kind animation. Uh, everybody who bought a share uh, was also uh, mentioned, of course, in, in, the, uh, um, in the in the liner notes of of, uh, of the album. And uh, we had stuff like uh, um, uh, one project where we uh, we printed uh, uh, posters uh, for uh, for our live gigs, and um, you know everybody could send us five euro, and uh, we have his face on on the poster. And the poster was just composited of. Tiny little heads of uh, all the guys who wanted to be on the poster, so we could, uh, you know, f finance uh, a simple thing like a uh, like a tour poster. And uh, people, you know, they are so happy that their faces on it, uh, on it, their faces are on it, and uh, the, this poster is put uh, up in their in the city. It gives a special relation to uh, uh, to the band, and, and this this thing is it's another another chemistry. I would I would say. And apart from it being a really good feeling, probably um, 
influencing your process too? Has it like increased your your um, fan base? No, it, I think it actually it's decreased our fan base <laughs> because the thing is, if you work with some major label, they do everything to put you out on. Uh, they, you know, it's kind of this this uh, mindset of mass media. You have to go. Uh, you have to appeal to everybody to a broad kind of to broad number of people. And if you do it that way, like we do, we only need to address uh, maybe a few hundred, a few thousand people who are really interested and uh, who get really involved. And uh, uh, you don't have all this kind of uh, bureaucratic overhead. You don't, um, all the stuff that uh, is run by uh, by a record label or by management, you can do uh, on your own, or we do on our own. And then uh, there's no no money got drained somewhere uh, it's, it's all uh, if somebody buys an album uh, the money goes to us directly so uh, there is no need anymore for a mass audience middle people uh, yeah the, 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 you know we, we, we cut out the middle middleman as, as, as you say um, and uh, we are um, dealing directly with, with the audience and uh, uh, yeah actually um, um, uh, when we were at, uh, at the major label, there were you know, yes. huge, huge amount of money just uh, thrown away. Uh, Can we get back to that exact point a little bit later on? Yeah, of course. And um, now I would like to introduce Natalie on my right, um, which is the one that I told you about. Um, she was kind enough to come very short notice, and um, we actually talked for the first time yesterday. Um, but I immediately thought that what she brings to the table is great for this discussion. Um, a couple of words about her. She's a freelance, freelance communication and community strategist and has now been for a couple of years uh, working for Yovoto, which is a crowdsourcing platform. I think a co-creation co platform is what you call it, um, both in New York and now in Berlin. And um, she says that because of this work, she knows both the possibilities and the limits of so-called crowdstorms. At the moment, she's also working together on putting um, working on putting together a Kickstarter campaign, campaign, which she calls another equally exciting community experience. So she brings a lot to the table, um, both in terms of crowdsourcing, but also a bit on the funding side, which we're going to get into a little bit later on. So I said that word crowdstorm. Um, explain to us a little bit what that means and what it has to do with your vote or what, what you do there. Um, well, that's basically the first step that we're trying to get away from the term crowdsourcing. So we're actually not a crowdsourcing platform as that. That term has a very negative connotation because we all know, or normally we all know these crowdsourcing platforms where a lot of creators come together and bring their ideas to the table and then they basically lose their rights and the client, whoever initiated that project, can take all these designs. And the concept behind these platforms is more like you pay very little and you get a lot of ideas. So um, crowdstorm, the term, is the idea behind that is brainstorming at scale. So thousands of people from all over the world come together to brainstorm about a project. And Javoto is trying to make a difference in, in these platforms to actually um, strengthen the rights of the creatives. So creators come together, come together, and they bring their ideas to the table, but they still keep their rights. So if a client, um, in the end, really wants to realize an idea, he will still have to license it. And crowdstorm was actually the first step to get away from this crowdsourcing term, but it basically means brainstorming in a mass of people. I think you. I think your. Um your boss, the founder of Javoto, he and the before-mentioned Sean Abramson, who was talking here earlier, um, they wrote a book about crowdstorming. That's how the word even got, got made. Okay, can you give us um, one really good example of how the whole thing works that shows us how a brand engages with the audience and really feels and believes in it? Um, we have a a lot of <laughs> very good examples that always that all have a different aim. Like we have we have Coca Cola, for example, who ran a big challenge with us, and they had more the PR story in mind. They more they were more about the storytelling aspect. They were 
Um, they were in the context of their sustainability strategy. They were looking for the um, co-crate of the future, like a sustainable, handy, reusable crate. And um, we had more than 4,000 creatives participate. Um, we had more than 400 submissions. We had a lot of media attention on that. Um, and Coca-Cola got their PR story, and it was a good one. But they never really licensed an idea or realized an idea so far. Maybe they will. And then on the other hand, we have Victorinox, the Swiss knife, you might know it. They are about to run their fifth challenge with us now. And um, the first two, they first, um, first had more than a thousand submissions. The next one also close to a thousand submissions. And both times they licensed 10 designs and ran a limited edition and had a rise, rise of sales of more than 20%. But it was also an image change because they were looking to actually initiate spontaneous purchases and get to a younger target group and that's what they actually achieved with this challenge. Do you in any way curate who gets to start a challenge? Or is that like when you say Coca-Cola, well they are a big name, but do you have any way of making sure those are the brands, the companies who really want to do something with it? Um, well, we do curate the creative task. So we sit together with the brand and we tell them this is a task that would work with our community. Um, we have already, we have also said no to a couple of brands um, because we still, I mean, we do have some kind of, I don't know if it's reputation. Um, we're not saying that there are brands that we would never run a challenge for. Like at the moment, we have the situation that we have Total and Greenpeace at the same time on the platform. And, um, but of course, we are, we're taking care that Total is not going to run a greenwashing challenge with us. Um, and yeah, that's basically what we curate. We curate the creative task. But when we had our other, we had a, another Greenpeace challenge in, in the past. And then when Shell knocked on our door, we were like, no, we really can't do that. So it's just it's it's also a bit about making sure no one abuses the principles, the, the whole system. Definitely, definitely. I mean we still believe that if we work with someone like Total, um, it's better than just saying no because we if we do a little bit of good, if we just change them around a little bit, that's better than just saying no and just turning them away. Can I pop in with a question? Uh, I was wondering yeah, this um the IP here, the discussion mm -hmm. around the IP, is find extremely interesting. Mm -hmm. That uh, how do you how do you how do you how see do you to it to that? Yes. Um, yeah, there was actually my first question at the job interview. How does that really work? Um, well, it's actually just the community works as a watchdog. We call it. We had the situation that a brand or a client actually used an idea without licensing it, mm -hmm. and we then found the. Um, final product on some web website and then we talk to the client and tell them about what kind of a potential shitstorm might come <laughs> if this gets out and then they of course license it but that has happened like really very very few times and um, then we also have the situation during the challenge that people tend to copy each other's ideas and then the community like, informs the community manager, the, the project guide, basically, and, and he talks to the person saying, look, these elements in your idea, they actually are very similar to that idea. And it's basically as, you're, as everything is public, there is... But it's not foolproof because there's so much out there, so like nobody will keep a track. It's not completely foolproof, but if you're a major brand, then you just don't want to risk being connected to a story like I'm saying Coca-Cola now but it wasn't Coca-Cola, Coca-Cola stole this idea from this very little creator. Can we ask the audience how many in here have participated on some kind of collaborative platform or, or open source, uh, open innovation or not many that's interesting um, since you're already engaging with the audience <laughs> that's that's her. Very interactive, very engaged with her audience. Um, for those who haven't been here before, I'll just repeat, sorry to those who were here, um, I'll just repeat real quickly who this nice lady next to me is. This is Annette Novak. She is the recently appointed CEO of Interactive Institute Swedish ICT. 
and even for the tenth time, I still have to read it. They are an IT and design research institute, and they create groundbreaking user experiences. Also, and that was something that she was talking about a lot before in her talk. In her talk she used to be the editor-in-chief of a Swedish newspaper called Noran that did a very unique um, form of user engagement by putting a chat window um, directly on their website. And she showed us, which is really exciting, how, um, how their entire approach changed and how they really got to engage with their readers. So um, Annette is also here because, like I mentioned before, I wanted to see what we can take away from the music part and from all the other brands and maybe talk about what what media can take out of this. So from what you just heard, is there anything where you say that has to happen in the alien media industry? Well, I find I, I would like to keep the thread of the money here, the money trail, because I find that extremely interesting here. Uh, it was money that, in a way, I mean, your direct contact, no middle people. So in a way, we're getting music produced at a lower cost because there's no margin here. And there we have uh, people engaging uh, where they feel safe, where nobody's going to steal their ideas and make money that they could have made. I think the future, uh, in a way, is of collaborative platforms is going to be where it's going to be some kind of uh, share, uh, shared value. Um, I'm not sure that's going to be money. Uh, I see examples now. Uh, if we look at, for instance, uh, Citizen Side, which is a collaborative news community which um, uh, curates pictures, news pictures. They've been, they're based in Paris. They've been existing, I don't know how many years now. Uh, very big. They share, they, they make a window. Uh, you put your pictures there. Uh, when news viewers want to buy the picture, uh, there's a share, uh, revenue share. Uh, folk, Swedish startup, uh, making really good uh, results at the moment. Same thing, but not news pictures. Any pictures. You take a picture of a food you just had at a restaurant. If somebody want to buy it or put it somewhere, uh, they will be able to contact you and, and, and you get money from it. So, so they, this, I think a bit of the future is going to come from what triggers us. And, and I'm not sure it's money. At the moment, we're going towards money. But research shows that, I'll give you an example. There was a, a huge project which involved all business travelers at Orlando Airport in Stockholm, where they actually, the Open Innovation researchers, they followed and they asked, what would make you participate? You were very few of you who had participated. So they asked them, what would make you participate if I say, let's co-create a new airport? Like, how could we do it together, you know? And they proposed money to them, they proposed a lot of things to them. But the one thing that actually stood out was, I want to ameliorate my own experience, my own trip. If my trip can become better, if I involve, I will involve myself. So it's very self-centered and it's not money. Yeah, and that's actually, a, 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 well, that's where I come in because um, we did some research on our platform and it definitely shows that money isn't the first thing. So it's basically to talk of glory and love. So it's about the community. Yeah, exactly. Like if you, um, you post your ideas, your napkin sketches publicly in the community comments and gives you feedback and says, I love your idea, but change this a little bit. And then you actually develop your idea further based on the feedback from the community. So it's recognition, but it's also learning. Um, and money it's comes fun. in like, it's, it's fun. fun and it's fun. Money comes in as like the third factor. Um, by the way, if you have any questions at any point, just let me know. Um, behind you, there's a nice man with a microphone, so uh, you can just get them whenever. Um, but adding to what you just said, you, you were coming from the, the users, the audience's perspective, and saying that it's not about the money for them. But I'm going to, because it fits really well, I'm just going to... Um, put one point earlier that I was gonna, well, sort of close with, but um, I think I think we, we agree here that, um, that, sorry, uh, I'm losing myself a little bit. Never mind. Um, I think we here agree that it is so important to do this these days, and it's um, for us not the first question, like how can we get money from this, but there's always someone from the business side who is going to say, yeah, but what does this actually mean for us money-wise? So um, I think you, you may be a good example for that too, so maybe you can um, say what, what do you, 
to the to the question that someone poses to you, like, okay, and what what does it mean money wise? Um, what do you what do you say? Yeah, actually, not, not much has changed. Just before, it was a much bigger machinery that was needed. Um, as I said earlier, it was a kind of mass media uh, thing, and you had to produce little pieces of mass media, mass production, mass produced stuff that was. Um, you could buy uh, all, all over Germany in the, in the record stores, uh, in the Saturn and Media Markt and whatever. And now um, I can sell this, the same stuff, better stuff, more uh, individual stuff, uh, more like small pieces of art maybe, to a, maybe a higher price directly from uh, the website of uh, our band or directly to the people when they come to our uh, concerts. And uh, um, all this middle middleman uh, stuff is cut out. So um, yeah, this is uh, um, definitely it, it fills up our refrigerators um, uh, as the way it did before, just uh, with less maybe with uh, also with less friction, but uh, with more participation on our side. Uh, this uh, on the one hand, it, it also it means uh, more work. Actually, you have to do more things. You, you are more involved. It's not this ivory tower thing. Uh, it's not you're only an artist. You're also running kind of a business. And uh, I think this is hard to swallow for some fellow musicians uh, who are only in it for the, you know, the creative stuff and they write. have to write beautiful songs about love and everything. But uh, when it comes to this very basic fact, uh, this guy has to pay something, so otherwise I can't, I can't go on with, with the stuff. This is, uh, uh, yeah, this is very strange, some, some, somehow strange um, <coughs> moment in, uh, between the, the, uh, the, uh, the fan, the audience, and, and the musician. Um, uh, yeah, it's uh, somehow uh, maybe it's a little bit embarrassing also that you have to admit, ah, yes, I have to fill my refrigerator somehow. Uh, but on the other hand, it makes you very human. Yeah. Just, just you're just an, another guy like uh, like uh, the, the people from the audience. I will just catch on there. Uh, I think it's about drivers, isn't it? I mean, it's what drives me. Uh, but it's also that the fact that the crowd will see through a company who does this. Uh, I think you were talking about the Natalie, just because they think it's good for their PR. Mm. Where I think this process will only be uh, successful and, and useful if if it starts in the respect of actually thinking that the crowd and the people out there, everybody, if we collaborate, if we, if we everybody puts something of them into some process or product or service, it actually becomes better. If we actually believe that, and, and we really want to listen, we really want to hear what you have, what your experience is, what your knowledge is, and we want to bring that into the process to make things better. I mean, it's, it's amazing, actually, isn't it? I mean, the whole world could, I mean, theoretically today, actually work on one product together. I mean, can you imagine how good that product will be, what that service will be, with all those brains thinking together? I just, I find it, it's, you know, it turns the head of it. And we actually have the perfect example challenge right now for Greenpeace. Again, Greenpeace. Um, and that's some kind of an experiment because it's a very technical challenge. And so far we've been running more graphic design, architecture like design challenges. It's about um, designing, the, designing a portable, renewable energy-powered water pump for Indian farmers. So it's it's for Greenpeace. It's for a good cause. There is money involved, but very little. It's not about that. And it's it's um, we're just we have several Greenpeace teams in Argentina and India. We're doing massive outreach to to technical engineering universities, and we already have a lot of ideas in the contest, and we'll show if a contest like that works as well. Amazing. We. I can just say that we at the Interactive Institute is a Swedish research institute, applied research that I am CEO for, and we work. We call it the grand challenges, the big, the big questions that the world needs to have solved. I mean, demographical questions, the the water, uh, the the air pollution. I mean, all these, the climate change, and and a lot of our products and, and inventions are directed towards the grand challenges actually. And and you can tell, unfortunately, that they don't reach market when there's no 
money again, we're back to the money drill. <laughs> when there's no money, uh, no investor is prepared to invest, even though there might be a prototype that actually solves something really big here. And we don't get the funding that we need to, to actually scale it from the governments. And this is something that I find very scary. And I would really like to, for everyone, we all have voices. We can also collaborate by pushing our politicians. Why don't we send more money to research so that we actually can, because we could solve some of these problems we keep talking about. We could already solve them today. Uh, but we're letting market, market conditions and uh, profits, short-term profits, steer the world at the moment. And that's really sad. Um, let me just, just ask you, um, at, at Noran, when you were um, introducing this whole new engagement, how was, on the money side, how was it, um, did it have any effect? Um, it's difficult to say that it de definitely was the open news desk, but the, the economy was not sound when, we, when I came in 2009, and it was sound when I left in 2012, so it's difficult to say what was what. But the fact to say, we listen to you. You are our customers, we value you, we value what you can bring to us, we value the relationship we have with you, uh, we want to be open, we want to open our, our activity to you. It's always, I mean, that's always a good way of starting a relationship. So uh, it's very difficult to distinguish what was what, but, but I, I think it had an effect, definitely. Um, just because we're talking about the authenticity uh, thing, uh, one example that always comes to mind uh, is Priel Hähnchen. I don't know if anyone uh, remembers that. If you if you saw that, it's like a hand washing. No, it's a dishwasher soap. I don't know what to call it. Um, Priel. Um, and they uh, the the company had a, a challenge online, and they wanted their users, their um, their their customers, to say what's the new smell going to be like. And then there actually was a challenge, and um, the winner, as far as I remember, was chicken. And they, what could they have done? They, in, in some way, they just um, tried to ignore it. They didn't make Priel Hähnchen. I don't think there's Priel chicken on the market. So that's a great example of, um, like you say, Coca-Cola, they, they have never made anything of the challenges that they put on your platform. Um, and they did, uh, Priel did uh, a similar thing and they decided okay, we're not going to go with this open but, approach But after they all. did, because I saw the ice bottle, and that was part of that challenge, I think. Because they said they had counted how much uh, to handle the bottles, you know, and drive the bottles around and handle the bottles and do the glass clean and, and all that. That was a lot of money. So there was a guy who said, why don't you do, and he had shaped, uh, he had done a mold and he had put water in it and made a Coca-Cola bottle out of ice. So you drink it and, and you drink it and then it just evap evaporates. <laughs> but I guess to cool it and to keep it cool, you have to be in my country, <laughs> where you have minus 20 and it's natural and doesn't have to take an energy to create it. But it, it was a good idea. And I saw it. It was launched somewhere. I don't remember where. Well, I mean, you could always still um, from take it from Jaboto and also have your, from, for example, your Facebook fans rate those ideas. And then you have your, if the Jaboto crowd isn't your target group, you could still try it out with your Facebook fans. And you could actually still produce a fun edition of Peter Hähnchen just to try it out. So um, on on the side of the people using Javoto, um, can you give us an, an idea of how they feel about this approach? What do they take from it? What, what do they say after doing a challenge with you? Um, the Javoto approach? or, or um, No, yeah, well, when they use Javoto, um, to do a challenge, what do the customers say? Well, Not the audience, but the actual companies. Ah, uh, the actual companies. Um, well, it's it is pretty different. We have clients that don't come back. We have clients that just use our private layer or even our invited layer, where they are not seen. They're like they're kind of curious about Javoto, but they don't want to try it out publicly yet. Um, but we feel like just right now the market is starting to understand the, the concept because just now we're getting a lot of inbound calls. We've thought about the past years and we've also built platforms for other companies and we and some of them failed because the readiness, the organizational readiness wasn't there yet. But we have a lot of companies, a lot of clients coming back to us now and wanting to do more challenges. So the, the overall feedback is actually very good. I mean 
for at least the, not just for NGOs like Greenpeace, but like really good causes like Greenpeace, UNICEF, and, and those companies they come back. And, and like only like big industry leaders come to you, or like maybe the bakery from around the corner they come they can only come to you and, and look for ideas. What what dimension is it? Um, well. In the beginning, we had more the smaller companies, and now it's really the the big, big. I mean, from the most valuable brand in the world, Coca-Cola, to um, to Henkel, Nestle, P&G. We now get the really big companies that are curious about trying trying crowdstorming. So but it's, but it's open for everyone. It's open for everyone. Okay. It's open for everyone. Can does it, it cost for a big brand to start a brainstorm? But uh, if in Greenpeace, is it for free for them? It's no. not for free. Um, it's is it scaled? Like it's scaled. Okay. It's scaled. Um, but we have to be careful about that as well because we're we're not a huge company either. And Greenpeace, as much as we love them, they do have an attitude like we're Greenpeace, so give it to us for free. Okay. And, and, and a normal person, if that. I have an idea, I want to brainstorm. I can I can I put it up for free, or do I have to pay? It just doesn't work for free because we do a lot of. Um, like the community management, that's a lot of work. We provide the community management, so we have a project guide sitting on the challenge, so we have a lot of staff costs that we just have to cover. Can you give us a, a number? Um, like any example, so that we know that Annette knows next time she has an idea, okay, that's not that much, I'll do it your way. Uh, that's very, very, very different. <laughs> um, well, I'm just about to put a challenge on there. Um, not as a Javoto community manager, but actually for the Kickstarter campaign that I'm about to launch. And as I'm doing all the personal uh, personal management, um, I'm doing the creative strategy role, the, uh, the project guiding role, and the project management role, so we don't have any personal, um, uh, any staff costs. And the, um, the fee, the platform fee, we're actually going to do on a risk, risk um, scaling. Um, Normally, the, the platform fees for public campaign are around 20,000, um, and then you have the staff costs. Um, but we're just trying to scale that because with the big companies, we, we made the experience that a lot of them are like, oh, you cost that little? Okay, so come back next time. We now have to do our budgeting for the, the agencies. I would be curious to know what, what what's trending. What, what are the topics, what are the, the challenges that trigger people most? Um, the challenges that work very well are product design, graphic design, mm -hmm. and um, it's even—it's always better to have a very precise briefing, to have a very precise task, like the Victorinox task. They—they they had the template of the Swiss Army knife, yeah. and they just had to put a just had to put a beautiful design on it. This is what we were talking about this earlier on the, the fact that you have to frame for your creativity, yeah. otherwise you can't make things up. I was wondering. Um, uh, does the people that participate are they kind of professionals in that area, or is it because we were discussing before this panel about the the, the crowdsourcing? Actually, it's the interesting thing with us is that you can get good ideas from the wrong people, so to speak. Uh, you want to design a knife, you don't get a designer to do that. You get a, a guy who's working as a lawyer, maybe who has a fantastic idea, but he never does this. But he can he can come with this idea. So is it is it? Do you see that it's main? Actually, my question is: Is it mainly the ones that you would suspect? Be interested, like a designer would be interested in, in participating in design collaboration, or is it actually like on people? <laughs> it's it's also both. I mean, we encourage people to to submit their napkin sketches, and they can also team up with other graphic designers if they have a great idea and just need somebody to actually put it in, in nice visuals. Um, we do also have professionals. We sometimes have agencies, we had architecture challenges where architecture offices did participate and then it is about the money, like if we have the very high, high price money, of course, professionals take part more, but... Is there a risk that we're actually losing the power of, of the, the cross-disciplinary, the, that... If we have more high, higher prices... No, that it becomes like a professional environment only, where you meet your colleagues again, instead of actually getting the, I don't know, the washing lady from India to, to have the idea of the Coca-Cola bottle, you know what I'm saying? Yeah, um, no, actually actually not. I mean, it's, it's a lot of students that are learning on the platform 
and um, we did have the we also did have the problem um, that the community kind of complained that only the nice um, renderings, the nice visuals, actually win the contest in, in contests like architectural challenges. Um, and then we introduced a differentiated voting system where you actually had to uh, distinguish between the idea and the on prototype. Exactly. So we're trying to, to stretch that a little bit. But we're still encouraging people to submit their napkin sketches, just show us up their ideas, because we always say it's about the ideas. We don't expect final designs. We want the ideas. This works perfectly. I can just lean back and I don't have to do anything. Um, I'd like to open up the floor. We have about um, 15 minutes tops left. So if you have any questions or remarks or want to shout at us or whatever, just go right ahead. Don't be shy. Uh, welcome Ken, by the way. Ken made it. <laughs> okay. Um, I would like to raise one point. We talked about this in, um, in the talk before. Maybe I'm always a bit of a pessimist. Actually, I'm an optimist, but there's a little bit of a pessimist side. So um, it seems like we're on a good path towards um, an economy where we do not always think of um, the amateurs as our competition or as amateurs, but we really involve our audience and just involve other people in the process, um, judging from, well, all the business that you have, you know. Um, but how can we maybe, to take something away from today, how can we speed up this process? What can we do to make more people, especially in Germany, understand this? I, I just think, I would like to rephrase that question because I think it's uh, working with user experiences now, creating environments. Uh, in the media we've had problems now. Last We opened up, it was commentary fields and all that, and we've gotten the kind of wrong content in there. And um, a small percentage uh, might use this openness to, uh, to write destructive things, to harass others, to uh, foul language, to badmouth each other, etc. Which makes a lot of the good forces and the constructive forces move away. Because you don't feel you want your brand visible or your name or whatever. You don't even want to be in an environment where everybody's just pouring hate at each other. And this is what's been happening. <clears throat> so I'm, I'm thinking about how could we, uh, how can we create digital environments that enhance the experience, that make us, that appeals to, not to the reptile brain where you want to throw, you know, bad things at each other, but to our good sides. Because <clears throat> I think everybody has a, a good side and a, and a darker side. And how can we create these environments where we actually trigger the best of us, the ones, the ones who actually want to change the world, who wants to to build the, the what was it, the pump, the renewable pump, energy power the renewal pump, pump for, for, for Africa. How can we do that? I think it's a question also of how we, the environments we create, but it's also how we act. So that's why I was a little bit disappointed that you guys, so few of you have, have collaborated, because then you leave the floor to these others that use it destructively. So be out there, come with your ideas, take part, it's fantastic, where you can build a better world, but we have to participate, we have to act. Are you optimistic that it's going to change from the, we have this, this famous, famous um, pyramid where 90% um, I think of um, the web, web users are lurkers or whatever, um, then some in the middle, but only 1% are really creators. That sounds like you not only want people to do this, but you're optimistic that it's going to change from the 1%. I think we can affect it. I think we, we should work on finding ways of triggering so that we get more than 1% being creative. And I think um, we could also trigger how can we get more of the 9% to be positive and not negative. Because, you know, when, when you're at your office, there's always these people who come around to you and go, oh, oh no, they've no, no, done this again. No, 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 no. And, and, and sometimes you tend to acknowledge them by saying, oh, you know, I agree with you. No, that's they're really nasty. And because you want to be nice to that person, but what you do is you just create this negative spiral. And I think that's a kind, that kind of, com um, um, that psychology exists also in the digital platform sometimes where bad things just go, go worse. And I would love to start working on finding in digital environments and, com and behaviors, when we're talking behaviors, thinking about consequences. What, what is my responsibility if I start with red, where, which 
propels into hatred, which can propel into hatred that takes analog expressions, which become actually something that happens in the real world. Uh, things like that. I think that's future questions. Well, um, I have no idea how to speed it up. If I knew, I would definitely do it. Um, I just know that, again, Jaboro has um, has been growing slowly, but very it was a sustainable growth, and that's how we got a core community. And I mean, I've done two years of hands-on community management. I've talked with a lot of people. I've talked with very few people, a lot, <laughs> a lot more than with other people. And I've learned a lot about psychology and what to say to actually have them turn around and be nice. And then, but there was a lot of work, so I don't think there's a recipe or a mass message to just turn everybody who's bad around. And no, but what you learned, what you learned, others can learn. Yeah, that's the point of teaching that you actually um, talked about earlier too, um, which is something that I would be interested to know. Um, Robert, from, from your perspective, do you go out there and tell other musicians to do the same thing, or are you be being a bit more careful about that, or do you use this teaching? Yeah, that? I'm screaming at them, do it like that. Uh, but they're anxious, actually. They, uh, uh, as, as, uh, as I said before, yeah, they want to play their songs, and you know, don't have to do such a lot, uh, they, want to, they don't want to have to do such a lot uh, with the, the business side of this, and it boils down to business. Uh, at the moment, what I see is that uh, at uh, you know creative time, you at the moment you have the chance to do something without uh, a kind of a big boss or broker. You can do it on your own, and you can uh, you can achieve a, a, an audience on your own. And you don't need that much people. You don't need to be uh, a mass product. You can uh, you can start with a few people and. Um, you can watch a kind of natural growth if you if you hang on to it and if you're being persistent. Um, and I think this is uh, uh, one of the nice opportunities we have with all this networking uh, and social media stuff. Um, and um, especially when, when when I started with uh, with the blogging music blogging around 2008, uh, where uh, there wasn't you know Facebook and just you could blog and uh, people would react on their other blogs. Uh, on that, um, this was very, um, very interesting, very inspiring. That you can put an idea to life uh, with no big uh, promotion money that was uh, need, needed to be involved before. They, they wouldn't take you serious as a musician if you if you didn't tell, tell them that uh, you had like two hundred thousand euros spent on, on promotion or something. You just push the button on your block and then uh, you have people listen people listen to your brand new song. We have long tail music now. We have yeah part of long part of the long tail but uh, for, for for me or for my band it's uh, it's a whole world actually <laughs> yes, so it's yeah it's it's an audience that is there and it's not like uh, an abstract thing. It's people we shake hands with digitally and uh, analog. We have a question in the first row. From my point of view um, design has very little to do with democracy. Um, so what are the properties of the system that the good ideas really bubble up and that, that you don't end up with chicken designs? Chicken <laughs> um, Well, on our platform you have different options. You can, you can rely on the community voting, but you still have your client choice. Like The client can still choose the idea they want to use. They can, we can still have a jury. Some of the challenges we have juries with experts, so we have an expert voting. So. That's actually up to the to the brand, the company, if they want to rely on the on the public, the community voting, or as I said before, if they want to take it to their Facebook fans. So the the problem with the community voting, uh, which in theory is a very good idea, of course, but the crowd is always wiser and they, they will always find the good. But the problem is when you have little traffic, which is the main part of websites. If you look at local media, for instance, they don't have a lot of traffic. So if you take one percent there. <clears throat> you're down to very small numbers, and it's very easy to uh, manipulate results. So uh, I don't think there's any media company in the world who hasn't closed down surveys or collaborative platforms because they have been manipulated by, by I would say, yeah. And, and it's and then we're back to then it's not crowdsourcing again. Then we're back to we decide what's quality, uh, and that's dangerous in a way, you know. But it's something we have to we have to be aware of and and have a. 
a transparent, I think, uh, approach so that everybody knows what's what is the what is the deal here. And so, how do, I was going to ask you then. So, what is the transparency? How do you explain uh, how you filter? You have a lot of community managers. Um, before before we get to that, I would like to get with that question and ask Robert has um, just just what the gentleman asked. Um, has it influenced your music in any way to have people be shareholders? Not at all. <laughs> No, I was completely uh, open about that. It's not like you can all the shareholders can gather and uh, then uh, uh, you know give us orders. You know, play this kind of music. You, know, you play now. You play a love song. Next song will be something more political. No, it's not like that. We, we just we just make an offer, and uh, I think it's uh, what what has changed is more uh, uh, how to deal with it with each other. Uh, and another thing that has changed maybe the. the not maybe the the real the, the 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 kind of songs you play, but maybe the way it's uh, it's um, it's handled, it's packaged. What what we are looking for is um, uh, that we are not selling them something that is looks like a mass product. Uh, it's more like you know, if you buy something from us, uh, the the album is like this big and very heavy stuff. You know, uh, there's a cassette in there, and there's a version on. On vinyl and there are big uh, art print posters and it's all uh, in a handmade box. Uh, this uh, more individualized uh, approach. I think this uh, um, this is something that interests us as a band. This uh, this is something we couldn't do before with with a big label. It wasn't uh, possible. We have another question. Question to Annette, and naturally, since you're not working for music companies and we're at a music festival, do you have any suggestions to musicians about do's and don'ts for music communities? Please. <laughs> um, well, I watched a Napsa movie yesterday, downloaded, or two days ago, and um, I didn't really know about the story that actually Metallica started the fight against Napster. Um, I would have thought that it wouldn't be too good for the image, but apparently it didn't really, didn't really do any harm to Metallica, so um, whew, that's, that, that's a tough one. Um, Sorry. No, I, 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 I did, could you just elaborate a little bit what you mean with the do's and don'ts? It's in, in relationship to community, uh, to, to open innovation? To yeah, with, with your um, work in, in companies that are not specialized in music, uh, do you have anything that can be transferred to uh, musicians' efforts to market themselves okay. to the internet? Yeah, okay, I can, I can, uh, that's going to be easier now. Uh, I would say this, um, we learned uh, that live interaction is so much more valuable than, than non-live. The live chat um, comparison to comments fields, for instance, people kind of rush in and write something and they rush away, and you don't know if, who's there. Uh, there we had a lot of the bad stuff. We had a lot of the hatred and, and, and the negative stuff. In the chat room where you had uh, instant feedback from a live editor who had a name and a face, it became the psychology of a, of a conversation. Uh, so it was much more, the, the, this environment that I was talking about that is more constructive and more positive, uh, was created in a way because we had very little trespasses on on netiquette in the live chat. So I would say that if you want to do something like this, try and do it as, as live as possible, so that people really feel they have a relationship to you, and because they love your they love what you do if they're your fans, so they want to come as close as possible. That, that would be my my advice. And I can really suggest just go to nolan.se, right? Um, just let Google Translate do its magic and have a look at the chat because I think um, what, what you just said, you really have to see it for yourself because when I heard it for the first time, I was like, okay, so the journalist talks about what she had for lunch. What's, what's that? But it's humanizing also. This is, I think it's also, it would, would work for an artist because we were in the ivory tower before and we thought that we should package reality to you and, and, and we were distanced, we were scary. And when we came downtown, sometimes we were critical. Almost always when we were downtown, talking to people, it was like, hmm, why did you do this? And, mm. and, and that creates a, a bad relationship in a way. So we were talking about that before the panel here and, and you asked me uh, about what does people do in this life? And yes, they do ask, what did, what do we, ah, oh, you look nice today, they tell the web editor, you know, what did you, and, and she will say that she went off to lunch, and 
sorry, I have to go away now because of this. It creates a more, it, it's humanizing journalism. <clears throat> it humanizes the people behind the journalism. And it creates a bond which makes the threshold the day when you need to communicate so much lower. Uh, and I think that also, of course, appeals. If you really want to have a good and, and strong relationship with your fans, uh, that's never bad to have this ongoing conversation. Instead of once every three years, you end up standing on a stage far away. Uh, it depends what kind of relationship you want. Some people like that. <laughs> Others want to have a more close, close relationship. Maybe Robert has also, <coughs> as the musician, um, taken something away that the music industry, that musicians can learn from Exactly. Yeah, just one uh, thing that I, a project that, that popped, popped up uh, a few years ago in my mind was maybe it is possible to uh, you know get interesting stories from our audience to make songs about. And uh, when I when I heard about the kind of uh, chat room uh, you built uh, for the for the newspaper, I thought that might be a very interesting way to uh, you know to uh, get them in, uh, involved. Uh, as you said, uh, uh, if you do it in a live chat, you get maybe more interesting results as if you do it just, uh, I can just write a newsletter to them and ask them, send, send me something. Uh, but if it's in, in this kind of conversational way, it, uh, maybe it uh, can get very interesting results and it can also get, might get the uh, audience more involved. Uh, if, if you want to extract interesting stories from them. You, you asked me earlier on the money, and, and I'm thinking now, what value did you create? I think we created the relationship because um, they, um, in the chat, when you create this bond, um, you, you build a relationship that has a value that will eventually translate into money, of course. Um, I lost my turn, I was going to say that. Sorry. Do something else, be more um, <laughs> Sorry. Um, I was going to end this, so I better don't do anything, otherwise I'll cut you off. <laughs> no, I, was, I just love my I was thinking something about what the I'll just say, without making this the end of the whole thing, um, that it's um, apparently it's, it's gone great when the creative mind goes away with a new idea. Um, we inspire you, that's great. I'm happy about that. Um, do, do you, what, what do you take away um, maybe for the next challenge or your own project? Um, are, you, are you going to do a chat too? Or give out um, like the Angelica share? Um, well, that's a very interesting idea because my next community project will be the Kickstarter campaign and that's a very, very different target group, a very it's, we have a complex product, we have a lot of benefits, but we need to know which one the target group could be interested in and um, how we're going to involve them and also how do we make them buy a machine that they will get in a year, so how do we keep them involved in the meantime, so maybe a chat might be a good idea, but yeah. Just use the whole um, life, of the, like blog about it before and about it, just be transparent about the process. Exactly. No, I just got to transparency. And, and we what? learned that it's a machine she's developing. The transparency, this is what I was going to say, and this is the most important. The transparency forces us to become better human beings. Before, we were around the news desk and we could have an attitude towards our customers, towards our readers, because you couldn't hear us. So we could say, oh, somebody phoned in with a stupid question and everybody would go, oh, why did they phone us? Why didn't they phone the mental hospital? Oh, oh, oh. You know? And that kind of attitude is not okay when you have a, a, a troubled, troubled business model. You need to have a customer centricity. You have to, you have to be uh, service-minded. And when you're transparent, when you open the news desk, something happens because people have to start becoming much better. They have to be better at their source criticism, they have to be better because they have to answer instantly to the crowd that keeps asking them questions on methods, on, on behavior, on what have you done, uh, what do you have uh, behind the story, etc. So we, the journalists actually, by the transparency, become, and we become better journalists by the transparency. So that's what I think is most fantastic. And I think that's um, a great note to end on too. If we uh, not, not just say it's about the journalists, they have to become more human and become uh, more transparent. But uh, we saw that on the music side, we saw that on the business side, that involvement can really push your brand forward. So unfortunately, we're out of time. Uh, I thank you very, very much uh, for being here. 
Um, I had a lot of fun, and it, I, I might not have seemed like it because I'm a little bit under the weather, but um, I think if we all take something, if we all got inspired a little bit, and hopefully you too, then that was, that was a great hour to spend. So thank you for being here. Have a great rest of the festival. This is the user experience Gamburg Radio. Thanks for listening. Visit the uxhh-radio.blogspot.de for more live recordings.